Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And we're diving today back into Sheila Fitzpatrick's Everyday Stalinism, as we periodically do, um, to look at uh, material abundance in the USSR uh, during the Stalin era, or not so much material abundance, but the illusion of it, the promise of it, um, and the uh, retention of um, material abundance to a very specific new ruling class, uh, the Communist Party bureaucratic uh, e- elites. Um, the critique that Leon Trotsky had of the Stalin era was that the new ruling class, um, the new bureaucratic ruling class, had betrayed the revolution. Anything egalitarian about the revolution that had once been possible, would now long since been uh, extinguished. And in many ways, this critique was a valid one. Certainly, it's fair to say that the uh, Soviet um, ruling class, the party bureaucracy um, and state bureaucracy, um, made made sure it it took care of its own. Stalin and those around him and the the vast infrastructure of um, uh, officialdom that emerges uh, from about 1922-23 onwards um, live in uh, what would be considered to be highly desirable circumstances. One of the key ideas that the um, Bolsheviks and later Stalinists propagated was the notion that um, after a lengthy period of struggle, that material abundance would be uh, within the reach of ordinary people. This was the promise of communism. The period of revolutionary socialism in the USSR, in which enemy classes and class and uh, class traitors were uh, eliminated, the revolution was protected and that socialism um, was built up from the ground in terms of uh, industrial infrastructure, Um, that would be the the period of struggle. And the payoff at the end of it, um, in the um, unspecified future, would be socialism. That would be what um, would be worked um, towards. 
Now, this was a, a great way of saying that even if material standards aren't present now, hang on, everybody, because they're coming, and, and we will have these um, uh, this, this great standard of living uh, in the future. This doesn't work forever, and it only in this inducement really only works on a small number of people. Um, the any political or economic system needs to be able to provide uh, in the present or uh, be discounted by virtually everybody. The belief that uh, material abundance for the population would one day emerge I don't think really lasts throughout much of the 1930s. Sheila Fitzpatrick writes, One facet of making fairy tales come true was particularly dear to Soviet citizens, the promise that socialism would bring abundance. This was literally an excursion into the world of Russian fairy tales, whose furniture included a magic tablecloth that, when laid, produced an extravagant array of food and drink on its own accord. Perhaps the hope of future abundance made the scarcity of the present easier to bear. In the mid-1930s, in any case, food, drink and consumer goods came to be celebrated with a fervour that even Madison Avenue might have envied. So even though there was widespread scarcity, and even though that during the period of the five-year plans, uh, housing and food were in such shortages that in some parts of Russia, living conditions were as harsh as they had been during the Civil War, the um, party apparatchiks, the intelligentsia who supported the party, and also the Stakhanovites, the um, heroes of labour, um, also uh, had access to the uh, the rewards. And um, they had access to special stores which were um, restricted to ordinary uh, Russians. And because it was people like the Stakhanovites, they, there was a... Um, a prevalent feeling throughout Russia that the in some ways the deserving were getting fed those who had contributed uh, above and beyond the call of duty to uh, Soviet society. Um, Sheila Fitzpatrick writes in Soviet conceptualization it was society's vanguard not its elite that had the first access to scarce goods and services what the vanguard had today, the rest of society could expect tomorrow. Now, this is interesting. Previously, um, a few weeks ago, I talked about the Stakhanovites um, as heroes of labour. These were the, the workers who um, became famous through overachieving many, many times over their work quotas and became national heroes. And it shows you the um, political and propagandist purposes to which they were put, that they were seen as uh, icons of um, the um, the five-year plans, symptomatic of the kind of labour that ordinary Soviet citizens should supply, and then there is a kind of some kind of logical payoff throughout the Russian Revolution from um, the Bolshevik seizure of power onwards the idea of linking um, food to labour uh, becomes uh, in integral. This is how uh, you see in uh, December 1918 aristocrats shoveling snow desperately 
in Moscow because they know it's the only way they and the families are going to eat. The most iconic phrase um, issued by Stalin um, in his various writings in the Soviet newspaper Pravda uh, during the 1930s uh, on this topic of abundance is he famously said, life has become better, comrades. Life has become more cheerful. Um, this was a phrase that is repeated and reiterated constantly um, throughout the, um, the 1930s. It is carried it on placards at demonstrations. Uh, it is run in uh, newspapers and it is displayed, displayed in parks. It's even displayed on banners in labour camps. Um, it is quoted in speeches and celebrated in songs by the Red Army Choir. Um, and even those people who saw it as being a kind of typical Stalinist propaganda, who kind of mocked it, um, reiterated it all, all the same. And it marked this, um, it was a, a phrase that marked a kind of a, a change in orientation uh, throughout the, the, the Stalin period. Um, and began, uh, and it, it was um, Stalin basically announcing the end of bread rationing, um, which was something that was uh, announced uh, for significant uh, propaganda uh, value. The reason bread had been rationed during the 1930s was in part due to the uh, agricultural catastrophe of collectivization, and in part due to the fact that the grain was diverted away from the, um, the the kulaks. Some of it is directed to the towns and cities to feed the workers, but a lot is used as um, export for export credit so that Russia can, the Soviet Union, can industrialise itself. And the uh, end of bread rationing was a kind of uh, a, a moment which heralded the, potent, the possibility of a a kind of the, a, a coming of abundance in um uh, in the Soviet Union, um the at the simplest level, right, Sheila Fitzpatrick, there was uh, a promise in this statement that there would be more uh, goods in the stores, um and this meant that there would be a shift away from anti-consumerism, in the early nineteen thirties the kind of prevalent way of thinking about economic activity is the creation of heavy industry, of heavy industrial plant, of uh, putting out output of iron and steel, coal, oil, um, and the manufacture of shipping and uh, other kind of um, uh, heavy industrial infrastructure, railways, that kind of thing. This is not consumerism. Consumerism is the the kind of uh, is the creation of goods and services specifically for domestic consumption. Not only did Stalin um, wish to champion uh, heavy industry, believing that this was how a a new industrial proletarian um, uh, Russia could be built, one with a strong defence economy, so that uh, the inevitable war that was going to come. Uh, could be could be fended off, but also um, Stalin and other uh, key leading uh, Bolsheviks or later Stalinists looked upon 
consumerism as being uh, something that was a kind of a, uh, within Marxist-Leninism, um, a deviation from uh, the the kind of the, um, the the moral, spiritual, and philosophical place that proletarian Soviet citizens should be trying to to get to, um, being distracted with consumerist baubles uh, and all the works. However, by 1935, this has has changed, um, and there was a, um, a a an appreciation on the part of Stalin. Uh, if all, if only temporarily, that there should be a a more a joyous, uh, a more cheerful um, standard of living that was based around uh, c- uh, consumer consumption. There had been a degree of um, cultural puritanism as well in the Soviet Union um, during the uh, early years of Stalin's uh, rule. What is described as the Stalin Cultural Revolution um, that saw um, the a, um, introduction of anything remotely Western, um, jazz, popular music, dancing, as a, a deviation from the kind of the asceticism of um, the of, of um, kind of Bolshevik thought, life, and culture, uh, Stalin had uh, intrinsically frowned on, discouraged. And uh, obviously, in, in certain er- key areas, uh, punished um, the sorts of artists, musicians, intellectuals, designers, and writers that Stalin didn't like very much, often found themselves um, uh, arrested and sent to labour camps. However, Stalin um, decided from 1935 onwards that many of these um, simple pleasures were okay, was something that uh, was, um, uh, you know, part of the, 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 ex- the day-to-day experience of, of building new standards of living in the Soviet Union. That kind of asceticism was the, were the values of um, the Bolsheviks that they brought with them to power. It's the kind, of, when they had lived as kind of revolutionaries and members of the revolutionary intelligentsia in Russia um, under the Tsar, um, the sort of uh, pure, sort of Spartan self-denial, the hardening and toughening of the the mind and the body, and the uh, the pursuit only of kind of revolutionary literature, um, that was common uh, um, amongst the revolutionaries, and they 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 bring this austere nature with them um, to power. But a selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A new generation uh, from the mid-1930s onwards had entirely different kind of outlooks and perspectives. Sheila Fitzpatrick writes... All kinds of leisure time activities for the masses were now encouraged. Carnivals, parks of culture and rest, masquerades, dancing, even jazz. For the elite too, there were new privileges and possibilities. The lip-smacking public celebration of commodities in the mid-1930s was, uh, was virtually a consumer goods pornography. Food and drink were the primary objects. Here is a newspaper's description of the goodies available at the newly opened commercial grocery store, formerly Elysiev's, uh, most recently uh, a Torgsin store on Gorky Street. In the grocery department, there are 38 types of sausage, including 20 new types that have not been sold anywhere before. This department will also sell three types of cheese, Camembert, Brie and Limburg, made for the store by special order. In the confectionery department, there are 200 types of candies and pastries. The bread department has up to 50 kinds of bread. Meat is kept in refrigerated glass cases. In the fish department, there are tanks with live carp, mirror carp, bream and pike. When the customers choose their fish, they are scooped out of the tank with the aid of nets. How much of this um, was A, real, B, actually um, managed to kind of make its way to the store on a regular basis uh, and see how much of these new living standards were available to the broad mass of uh, Soviet citizens it is unclear without any kind of um, profit motive um, it was um, difficult to see how a kind of a regular process of um, answering consumer wants and consumer needs um, was possible um, without there being significant difficulties or, uh, or failures. Not only were creature comforts and pleasures um, designed to appeal to Soviet citizens, but these creature comforts and pleasures that were available en masse to the masses were meant to say something to the Soviet population about the successes of Soviet communism. Um, Anastas Mikhoyan um, referred to the abundance of uh, Frankfurter sausages um, once having been a sign of bourgeois abundance and well-being. Now they were available to the masses and showed how successful mass production had been under um, socialist, um, under Soviet um, circumstances. And it's also very instructive to look at some of the kind of the language that's being used about how Soviet uh, uh, officials looked upon uh, what they saw as Western luxury. 
And McCoyan is talking about the abundance of alcohol. He says, what kind of happy life can we have if there's not enough good beer and good liqueurs? Um, champagne is a symbol of material well-being, a symbol of prosperity. Um, in the, uh, this is Judith Fitzpatrick writing. In the West, only the capitalist bourgeoisie could enjoy it in the Soviet Union. It was now within the reach of many, if not all. McCoyan added. Comrade Stalin said that the Stakhanovites now earn a lot of money. Uh, engineers and toilers, uh, and engineers and other toilers earn a lot. To satisfy their rising demands, Soviet production must sharply be increased, McLean concluded. So the, um, the way in which the, the marker of the good society is material well-being, high living standards, and this, this notion of luxury, that the Soviet workers should also be able to enjoy champagne. Not only is this egalitarian, but it also proves that the Soviet Union can outproduce capitalist countries, that the worker in a capitalist country will eventually look at the living standards of the worker under communism and envy and see that this is the, the way forward. Ultimately, uh, it would be the way in which the idea of Soviet communism would be exported. There's no way that it can now be exported after really the failure to seize Poland in 1920. There's no way that it can be exported at the barrel of a gun. It must be exported by good example instead. So here, during the Soviet Union's um, high Stalinist era, there is, there is a, um, a kind of a boom in the advertising industry. New products are advertised in the press, but the ironic, ironic sort of situation here is that the, the new products that are often advertised in the press, very rarely do they ever make their way into the homes of Soviet citizens. Um, the adverts are not meant to sell goods particularly, because often the goods just aren't available. Um, but they are generally there to try to educate the public in the knowledge of their existence. Um, and being aware of consumer goods was part of the uh, process of acquiring good taste and culturedness, knowing that one uh, drinks brandy after a meal with Stilton, for example. You might never have these things, but it is the sort of thing, that if you do have, that you are cultured. And so it's important to kind of be uh, aware of in, in some, some sort of uh, strange logic. The Soviet, it was the function of Soviet cultured trade, writes Sheila Fitzpatrick, to make this knowledge available through advertisements, instruction of, cons of customers by exhibitions organised in major cities of the Soviet Union. Um, displayed goods never available to the ordinary consumer, like washing machines, cameras and automobiles. That's all very well, said uh, one disgruntled consumer after viewing an exhibition, but the goods aren't in the stores and you won't find them. Another advert in a newspaper for ketchup is uh, very revealing. Um, this is a kind of a, a, a process of educating the consumer. It reads, do you know what ketchup is? In America, a bottle of ketchup stands on every restaurant table and in the pantry of every housewife. Ketchup is the best sharp aromatic relish for meat, fish, vegetables and other dishes. So here it was um, a, a process of, of informing Soviet citizens about the rest of the world, about the, li 
the kinds of living standards um, that exist in, in America and the sorts of products that are uh, unfortunately for Soviet citizens not available. And this is the kind of one of the, the really interesting cultural aspects of the Soviet Union uh, in that um, adverts, as we conventionally understand them, are, are there to simply direct us towards goods and services we might like to consume. The advert here is about informing, is, is about informing the Soviet citizen uh, uh, about how others live. Um, not with the expectation that the Soviet citizen will live in this way, but to make to to inform them because knowledge is part of the process of being cultured, which is uh, actually the desired end as far as the state goes. In other instances, the um, the advertising industry just gives out and out falsehoods. So, for example, the idea that um, eau de cologne has firmly entered the life of the Soviet woman. Hairdressers of the Soviet Union require tens of thousands of vases of eau de cologne every day, um, and that this was um, already supplying all stores. A more militarised and uh, martial culture that had existed in the 1920s, particularly in terms of, of dress and men's fashions, um, fell away, and, and instead it was replaced by the idea that the cultured man wore a suit. And many um, uh, Soviet men, uh, particularly in towns and cities, adopted suits to wear in order to appear modern and, um, and educated. There is a story about Mikoyan when he, Stalin sent him on a trade mission to uh, America um, he said that um, Mikoyan had to uh, abandon the uh, rather sort of Soviet-looking tunic and cap and trousers tucked into boots for a suit. He said to look like a proper bourgeois. And he noticed, Mikoyan noticed with his trade delegation that he was being looked at on the streets of Chicago and New York in a strange way. And he noticed that um, the other Americans in suits looked quite different from him and his trade delegation. And what a, the reason why is that Mikoyan went and bought a suit and made sure that his trade delegation all bought suits. But there was one kind of suit, one colour, one cut and probably one size available for all of them. So all of them were wearing exactly the same suit. And obviously, uh, American um, uh, middle-class um, bureaucrats and businessmen, managers, and the sorts of suit-wearing types in America during the 1930s wore, even at the height of the Great Depression, a variety of different kinds of suit, different colours, different fabrics, uh, and, and different cuts. And so this shows you something about the, um, the priorities, the logic, the understanding of and then the aesthetics of the Soviet Union, that the idea that there is consumer choice um, in some parts penetrates the Soviet Union a bit, but not really in any uh, from the the kind of perspective of consumers influencing production decisions using markets using spending within markets. Uh, instead, you have shops that supply 
um, dozens of different new consumer products that no one will get to buy, or that, but that are, are advertised and perhaps simply corralled and reserved for the uh, elite classes. And you have um, the production of uh, the kind of um, the, the the token the, the the totemic items of respectability, like uh, a, a a double-breasted suit, uh, but not actually cut or made or designed with the consumer in mind. Okay, so we we see really the injection of consumerism into a system that wholly really rejects it, and it's a, they remain uneasy bedfellows for. Um, the rest of the 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 era up until um, war in 1941. Anyway, I hope you find that useful and helpful, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thanks. All the best. Bye bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 